listening to 90% Mental Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 164. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with professional soccer player Mariah Cameron to talk about her journey in becoming a professional soccer player. Mariah shares what motivated her to start playing soccer and how her motivation has changed as she moves through her career. She also touches on how her career has changed amidst COVID and what it's been like playing professionally during the pandemic. If you want to see the journey of this professional soccer player and how she has overcome her fear of failure, then this is a must-listen episode for you. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. Hey, Mariah, how are you? Hi, Grant. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. I'm, uh, I'm super stoked to have you on the show because we're, we're going to dive into mental performance and your passion for, for mental skills. But we're going to learn a little bit more about your mindset and, and just your journey of being a professional soccer player and all the things that you had to do to get prepared for this, for this stage, for this level. And, um, I can only imagine all the cool things that you've gone through and all the hard stuff. Cause I, you know, every journey is different. There's always going to be some, some adversities and struggles. Um, so I'm really interested and in, in excited to share your story. Yeah. Thank you. There's been a ton of both. So yeah, lots of material <laughs> that we could wade through on this one. Beautiful. Well, let's get into one of my favorite topics is, is mental toughness. And I know that you've been playing soccer majority of your life. And when you think about reflecting on your whole career, like share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough. Yeah. And I think there's so many, uh, cause I think mental toughness is probably what drove me from the start to where I am right now. Um, but just maybe primary recency effect, but I'm going to have to say this whole last year as a whole, um, has made me rely so much on my mental toughness just to get through the day to day, um, in regards to the challenges presented by my, my season, by dealing with COVID and the lockdowns and constant, test, um, you know, following protocols and, uh, injuries I've experienced this year. I think, um, really going back to those basic foundational 
things, which I think mental toughness is, is one of them for me. Um, and relying on that to kind of carry me through my, my, my process and and the day to day to just really keep performing at an, what is an acceptable level for me, um, while also, you know, ignoring or compartmentalizing all these other outside factors kind of constantly nagging for, for attention. Right. Right. When you think about, I mean, all of us have gone through shit this past year and, you know, shit makes good, great fertilizer. So Mm. when you think about, you know, managing injuries and managing COVID and testing and all these moving parts, when you think about mental toughness, like what do you, like what has allowed you to keep pushing through and not getting broke. So I always talk about bending and breaking, like for you to be mentally tough, there's, there's a lot of factors that come into play, but I, you know, when you get into a situation where you need to be mentally tough, you need to bend usually with your breath and there's some other things. So what are some of the things that that's allowed you to bend through this past year? Like how have you gone through the adversity of it? Yeah, I think, um, well, I, I have a counseling background in psychotherapy, so I'm very much, into my feelings and feeling them and, you know, introspecting and naming them and and just sitting and being with them. So I think for me, the bending is accepting those Mm -hmm. and the kind of preventage of the breaking is, is not lingering on them for an extended amount of time to, to feel them, but then, you know, not overthink and maybe then switch to action. Okay. What, what can I control in this moment? What can I control? And I'm a big person who likes to have an effect or, or to be taking steps forward in whatever way. So, you know, one, one of my injuries this year, I, uh, I wasn't allowed to run yet. And, uh, so instead of just sitting and watching practice, I started speed walking, you know, like, like a woman in the morning with my little hand weights and trying to get my heart rate up as fast as I could, or just marching in place. And when I remember years ago, one of my trainers told me, he's like, you're like a cat on a hot tin roof. Like you just can't stay still. And I think, uh, I think that's, that's very true because for me, it's, I find peace and I find progress in in that 1% in making tiny, tiny steps forward and, uh, just having an impact on my, on my own success or recovery or whatever it is I'm working towards in any way that I possibly can. And I'm going to put you on the spot on this, but you can take some time to think about it. But when you think about mental toughness or being mentally tough, Mm -hmm. I ask this question all the time and people to be honest with you, I've only heard like one or two um, of my guests have almost the exact same answer. Mm. Um, pretty much there's always a different definition or a different perspective of what mental toughness means to them. Um, and I always ask that because you and I, we know what mental toughness is. Mental toughness means we know what success means and grit and all that, but we all have a different meaning to it. So when you think about mental toughness and you can probably connect or resonate the last year or so like when you think about some of the stuff you've gone through what what does mental toughness mean to you yeah and I think that's awesome everybody has different examples because you know in in the research and you see all these different definitions of what what it actually is um but for me it's really in my mind the phrase just came uh just keep going that to me being mentally tough is whatever's thrown your way whatever amount of injuries whatever opponent whatever 
you know, whatever obstacles you find in front of yourself that you have the mental fortitude or the mental grit, you know, all these terms we put around right. um, to persevere. And again, sometimes it might be, you know, baby steps forward, sprinting forward, but you know, however slow you need to go um, for me, mental toughness is to just keep going in, in the wake of whatever's in front of you. I love it. I love it. Well, let's, let's go back a little bit to kind of where all this started. Um, I mean, we won't go all the way back to, to youth, but let's say high school. And I want to look at the development of Mariah's mindset. So when you think of your high school year and then your college, you played at Washington state and then now your professional career, if you go back into high school, what would, if you were to describe your mindset as a soccer player, like what would that word or words be in high school? And then what would it be in college and then in professional? Yeah, great question. And I think it's so interesting to look back at my high school self now, kind of under a new lens, now that I've, I've learned a lot more about mental performance and, you know, healthy mindsets and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So it's right. so funny to... To look back at where I was, but the word that came to mind was uh, probably perfectionist or mm-hmm. um, extreme. I did not know balance. I was a hundred percent, a hundred miles per hour all the time in like <laughs> sacrifices, the rocky montage of training. I love it. You know, in the rain, like I had. I was just, yeah, I was, I was, I was all in, and I think I. I think I, I I clung to that a lot because it is what drove me to success and it's what it's what gave me so much. But it, it wasn't till later um, in different environments that I that I did learn I was missing some other more important aspects to my mindset and and just kind of my approach to sport. Um, but again, it's. It, it is what it is and it happened and it, and it got me to where, where I am. So it's all part of the process and I, I wouldn't trade any of it, even knowing what I know now. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. It's a little teenage perfectionist to me. And then when you went to Washington state and now you're at the D one level, did that perfectionism, was it still there or was there more, um, when I say maturity and just growing up and looking at things differently, did things change with the mindset or did it kind of stay with you? I will say that seeds were sown, but nothing grew yet. Like I remember, uh, one of my coaches telling me like, you just gotta let your hair down a little bit, like have fun. You're in college. And, and again, I was like, no, I'm here to be the best, you know, sacrifices. And, and I, and I did have fun and I did have, you know, a a college experience, but it was very much me revolving my whole life around soccer. And I remember I was somebody who always got good grades. And I think in my 4.0s, you know, in high school in my first semester of college, I was not concerned really about my grades. And I think I still pulled like a, a 3.55 or something like that. But for me, it was like, I'm here to play soccer and just be the best. And, <laughs> and then, you know, later as I started, that was my freshman year. So I did, there was a bit of growth throughout the four. Um, but it was me realizing like, Oh, you are smart enough to also get four points in college and, and you can do both. And, you know, you have this life outside that's fun and it's, you know, it's college. 
Um, but I definitely was still probably a little too extreme. Um, mm. the, the real balancing act didn't come till, till later, but it did come, uh, which is the important part. And, and, you know, you grow up and you, you learn so much and you look back and it's that classic, you know, I, I wish I knew then what I know now type of thing, but it, right. uh, yeah, it was enough again to get me to where I am. So, totally. you know, we're maybe stepping our way to a healthy <laughs> psychological environment. There you go. I created. Yeah. Well, so like you're, you're in high school, you know, perfectionism, extreme, it, even though that kind of seemed like it followed you a little bit in college. But if you were to, to look at it a little bit different and give it a different name or words, like what would that be when you were at Washington State? Still extreme, still trying to be perfect. No, I would, um, I would change it maybe from perfectionist to committed, extremely committed or, um, you know, determined has been a word that people have used, um, for me, but I think, uh, gosh, I just remember having all these speakers and stuff. And actually it was probably after Washington state and grad school when I, I was, I was actually playing in England then before I had signed a professional contract and we had this gold medalist come in and talk to us and he just kept going on about the balance and, you know, outside of sport. And, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm all, all the movie montages and like, it's, it's all about sport. And then it wasn't until later. And I think that was one of the messages that really sunk in. That was like, you need a balance and, and, and in moving to my professional life setup, especially abroad, where maybe your life outside isn't as, as full, isn't as, um, you know, structured as maybe back home, you can't pass every day with that, you know, two hours of practice or a gym session, or whatever being your be all end all because, you know, then you have a bad day at training and your, your whole life is ruined for 24 hours until you get the next chance to go to practice. So I think actually taking that transition to being a professional is what finally helped me to, to create a balance. And, and I still had all that, that determination and the mental toughness and the diligence to do all those small details, like the, you know, the recovery, the, the sacrifice and, and all that stuff that took me to the professional level. But, um, it was actually when I got there that I was able to, to maybe mentally create or start to create the best environment for myself. So would you say now that as a professional, it's, it's balance? Yeah, I would say maybe balance would be a good a good word for it. And I think, yeah, I would just say wiser. I feel so much wiser (laughs) having, uh, having undergone so many different, um, or lived through so many different playing environments and, and, you know, playing in different cultures and, and relating to people on so many different levels and, and just accumulating more experience paired with my incredibly introspective nature. Um, yeah, I'm just constantly learning more things about myself and how I balance and what, <laughs> what leads to my best or um, my ideal kind of, uh, atmosphere for myself. Well, I, I love it that you, you brought up wisdom because especially when I'm working with younger athletes, we, we talk about that. We talk about reflection. Uh, putting in a reflective practice and you don't have to wait until you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old to, to gain wisdom. You can gain wisdom mm-hmm. when you're 17 years old 
but you have to spend time looking at what went well, what didn't go well, and what you, and what lessons did you get. And the more you can do that, you're building wisdom there. So when you think about you, you being introspective, um, I, I feel like you're kinesthetic, just like me. Um, how, have you built in a reflective practice, like the whole way, or is that something that you've kind of adapted to as you became a professional? Um, I think there was always some degree of reflective practice, but I think um, it's definitely changed and improved because I, I mean, I remember in in college, you know, we'd always watch film and I would watch every game I ever played the whole game, you know, with like a little paper tracking what I did well and what I didn't do well. And then, and then thinking about that, but I think it was more on a physical performance level at that stage. And it really wasn't until after I did my master's program that I think it became a more mentally centered thing. Mm -hmm. And I really think, uh, training to be a counselor helped me immensely in regards to awareness. Cause I mean, that's what the whole degree was, was us, you know, um, emptying all our own closets and, and, and recognizing our, our triggers and working through our own stuff so that we could become ready to help other people. And I think that that practice helped me so much as a soccer player as well, to be able to, to identify different things and just become way more hyper aware of, of everything, of, of what I was thinking, of what I was feeling, of, of recognizing, um, you know, conducive levels of anxiety versus detrimental or, you know, how I looked at things. And yeah, so I think honestly the, the grad school timing and then me signing my first professional contract probably just happened at the perfect time that I was finally able to, to learn these skills, to learn, um, such a heightened form of awareness. And then also, use that in my, in my soccer career. You know, when you, that's awesome. I, I love that. I love it. How it was kind of serendipitous at the, it all kind of gelled together at the same time for you. Um, when you think about switching gears here a little bit and think about motivation, I want to talk about that only because here, here's someone that you played soccer for most of your life. And you were like, it seems like you're like extreme, like, you left everything out on the field, on the pitch all the time. Right. And, and I, I share this because my motivation, I played football for 13 years. And when I was in high school, my motivation, it was totally extrinsic. It was, if I didn't have a good game, people are not going to like me. And if I had a good game, my stock went up. Like it, so I was riding this emotional roller coaster ride on if people like me or not. And which I had all the friends in the world at the time. I was just was so worried about, you know, being accepted. And then when I got into junior college and in college, it, it, I got over that and was more like totally focusing on the process and re, like refining the smoothness of the way that I threw the ball and hand off the ball and faked and all that kind of stuff as a quarterback. But I remember going back to high school, like it was like emotional warfare for me because it was just every week, like, is my stock up or down? So when you first started playing soccer, like what was the motivation and how much has it changed? I love this question. Um, and I think a hundred percent, we followed a similar trajectory. We'll say, um, I don't know when I first started playing, but definitely like my teenage club varsity high school soccer, it was exceptionally 
extrinsic, extrinsic, wow, why can I say this word? Uh, <laughs> external. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I knew that until much, much later. And it was actually when I started researching and, you know, studying more about mental performance and, and sports psychology that, you know, I read about, uh, you know, distorted perceptions and, and all this stuff. And, and this idea that achievement is equal to worth. And, and the same thing actually came up in grad school talking about conditions of worth and how we're, you know, we're shaped to believe that, you know, I'm only worthy if X, Y, and Z, and we all have different conditions of worth placed on us different times from different people. Um, But it was really like that little light bulb moment, like, oh my God, that's me. Oh no. Like (laughs) that's so me. And uh, that kind of laughing, but like, oh, cringy, like, Oh, that's unhealthy. That's you. Um, but it was definitely like people like me because I'm athletic. I'm popular because I'm a star on the soccer team. Um, and of course I had other friends and, and, and other reasons, uh, but it's, it was definitely this thing. And I I actually have a, a running joke now for probably decades with my mom and my, my godmother, maybe my best friend too, about, um, man, we really wish you could see you how other people see you because, we, we, we don't just like you because you're good at all this stuff, you know, but in my mind it was, Oh, it's because I'm fast that people like me and just these very like caveman archaic, you know, very just strange, strange perceptions, but they were so concrete for me. They were a hundred percent. This is fact. This is how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we create that. We love talking to ourselves. We create, and we're great storytellers. So we, as soon as we hang onto that hook onto that story, it's and it plays and it loops over and over again we just becomes our reality yeah 100 percent. and it becomes that and you know you look at the the flip side the fear of failure is you know oh if i don't hit a home run today no one will like me or you know if i pass the ball to the other team they're like you said there goes my stock it's it's plummeting it's right right performance yeah well, and you, you brought up fear of failure because that's something that, that man, I talk about that all the time with athletes. It comes up all the time, that and confidence. But when you think about, uh, you talked about it earlier, when you have a bad performance, bad practice, you have 24 hours to kind of be with it until the next opportunity for you to kind of move on from it. Um, I know when I look back at my younger self, all the things that I know now and what I teach, if I only knew how to deal with a poor performance, like I have the understanding mm-hmm. of fail- failure to me is not showing up, not trying. It's not about mistake and mistakes an opportunity. It's feedback, it's information. And if I would have learned that way back in the day and not look at it as a negative emotion, like I could have gotten excited. I could have reframed it. So mm. how do you, how do you rinse a bad performance from your mind? How do you deal with a bad practice, bad game? Yeah, well, I think my answer to this question now is entirely different than it would have been at any other stage in my career. Um, but I'm very much in that mindset where I, I get excited um, more so now because it's information, because it's an opportunity to get better. And, it, you know, it's an opportunity to fix things that I didn't necessarily do the best I could. Um 
I'll say that 90% of the time. Other times, you know, when I think about like, you know, just like last summer I'm doing personal training sessions, you know, I'm telling a girl like, no, like, don't get mad. This is exciting because we're finding an area we can improve on. And then like, I do a drill, you know, and I shank a ball and I'm just yeah. like infuriated <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. Right. So it's, it's still a, it's come a long way, but you know, are we infallible? Yes. But it is, um, yeah, that fear of failure for me and confidence that you brought them both up have been, have been huge, uh, learning points for me, actually, probably in the last couple of years, because like my, um, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, confidence was something that I didn't realize was coming externally until I left certain environments and I was no longer getting it from a coach or getting it from a teammate. And all of a sudden light bulb, I am someone who has been unable to create my own confidence, self-confidence. And, uh, it was kind of this, this panic about where am I going to get it? Like, how do I, how do I do this? And, and I, had survived so long unknowingly getting it from coaches who would just blow smoke up my ass to like hype me up for the game. You know, like Mm -hmm. I remember back to to high school soccer, my coach would come up to me for the game, you know, and be like, Oh, Hey, I just, the coach from the other team just came up to me and was like, Oh, is that number, you know, three still here? Did she graduate? And he was like, Oh man, she was only a freshman last year you know, only to find out this conversation never happened. Like it was just a a tactic by him to, you know, pump pump me up and make me feel really good. But I always had that. I always had the coach that was like, Mariah, you have to mark this attacker, this game. Yes. She's in the national pool. Yes. She's done this and that, but you're you and you got this. And just having people, that's literally all I needed was somebody to tell me like, we believe in you to get this job done. And, and that fueled me for decades. Um, yeah. So, I mean, having that, that knowledge and that conscious come to me of being like, Oh man, I am actually fragile. And here I thought I was so, so confident. And it was, no, it was just people, people doing it for me for so long. For sure. For sure. And man, I've, I've learned so many things over the years. It's like, and if you want to be confident, get prepared. That's the first step. And then there's things you can do. Like we call it switching on. Well, how do I switch on my confidence before I even actually play? And if I lose my confidence during play, how do I get it back? And so yeah. all these things that I've learned, I'm like, man, if I knew that when I was playing football, I mean, it would be, it'd be a different game, but, but it is what it is. I'm, I'm in service. And so I get to teach people, um, so since we are talking about mental performance and teaching athletes, uh, I know you have this strong passion for mental performance um, and mental skills training. When did you start getting connected or when did you get like introduced to this type of work? Oh, to this type of work. Jeez. I think I've, I've always had a passion for sports psychology and I you know read so many books, took some classes in college and it wasn't actually maybe until this past year. Um, that the the owner of our training field is actually a mental coach and and some girls from the team started seeing him and and as I became more obsessed and, and was learning more about 
um, the kind of mental aspect to elite performance, I started talking to him and, um, you know, start talking to you and trying to get as much information as I could about, you know, what this is and, and just became super excited about the possibility of, of paying it forward. And, uh, I don't know, just, again, that, that, that idea of, of knowing, wishing you knew what you know now when you were younger. Yeah. For sure. Well, and when so and now, I feel like I forgot what question you asked me. I just went off. <laughs> off. We're gonna well, we might have to trim this part. I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's about just your exposure to the work and and your passion for it. But since you are still playing at the professional level, but you are now starting uh, working with athletes, when you think about this work, because there's all these different strategies or inter- interventions. Mm-hmm. what is what's the one or if it's more than one I'm not sure but like what's what's the one that you love the most to eat as either an athlete or as a mental performance coach to work with athletes or work on yourself is it visualization is it meditation is it mantras uh, what, what are some of the like techniques that you get drawn to ooh, ooh. Well, at the moment, I'm super passionate about a couple of things. Um, I think the 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 personal one has got to be dealing with um, a perfectionist mindset and like the fear of failure and just reframing um, your failures as as something uh, as something entirely different. And instead of those, um, you know, being negative things, being being stepping stones to an even more optimal performance. Um, and I think for me, it's really, uh, I think maybe if I had to peg it on one, it would be self-talk and, you know, what we, what we feed ourselves and, and constantly reiterate to ourselves becoming our own truth. And so making sure that, that what we're telling ourselves is, you know, kind, because I'm sure this comes from a personal place. Um, I historically was not very nice to myself. The, the hardest, person on myself and you know the most most critical so I think it's yeah again that you know I've I've learned so much and and can I can I help somebody at an earlier stage in their career um you know avoid some of the the mistakes or or taking the long road like I did so that would be one the other one that I'm super excited about (laughs) is actually more so to do with coaching and coaches. Yeah. Just because I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of great coaches growing up and it wasn't until I went abroad and talked to other people that I learned not everybody had the same experience and, uh, just playing under so many different coaches and, and, and seeing the, the negative effects of toxic atmospheres and the positive effects of, of really great atmospheres. I'm very passionate at the moment about working with coaches to create healthy, positive atmospheres and, and how to get the best out of their players and kind of melding, you know, creating good relationships with people and relating to people and then delivering your specific coaching knowledge in a way that is conducive to a healthy psychological atmosphere. Awesome. And, and I, I know you're still working on it, but uh, I, I want this to be an opportunity for you to plug kind of what you're doing. Uh, so if my, if my listeners wanted to learn more about uh, your website and what you're doing and, uh, you know, your whole practice. How do they do that? Yes. So we are just on the verge of launching. Um, very, very excited about it. And every time I talk to you, I get so much more excited about it. Um, but it's, it's called you plus you performance coaching and, uh, the website will be that when it, when it launches, we're shooting 
looking for June soon. Um, and I mean, if you find my personal social media, look Mariah Cameron up and I'll have links up soon to, to the business media and stuff like that. But I'm just so excited to start paying some of this, you know, harder knowledge forward and, uh, and yeah, just staying connected, staying connected and, and helping out. You know, I'm, I'm really excited just, uh, you know, to kind of be on a little bit on this, this journey with you. Um, and I know what it's like to start the practice. And so I'm, um, I'm excited to see it blossom. I'm excited to, to help you in any way as you move forward. So it's really cool to see, um, you know, since I've been doing this, you know, full time for six, seven years, it's, it's kind of nice to see someone that's starting and like full of energy and ready to rock. So it's, it's really cool for my end. It's a great reminder. Like I said, every time I talk to you, I get so much more excited and I, my, my passion for it is, is reborn. So I, I feel like this next week's going to be one of those weeks where I'm totally immersed in working on it. Cause I'm just, again, rejuvenated and, and, and cool. excited about all the possibilities and the, and the effects that we can have as performance coaches. Totally. Totally. Well, one more question before we sign off. Um, and it's about reflection. So when you reflect in your whole career, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Oh my gosh. What a hard question. We could do a whole podcast on this question. Right? Um, of what I've learned the most about myself. Um, I think it's gotta be something tied up in, in self-love and, and being, uh, just kinder to yourself. And that idea, like I was talking about self-talk that, that what you feed yourself is real, whether it's, you know, I'm terrible, I'm great. People don't like you if you don't play good. People do like me, like for who you are as a person. And, and that, that idea of whatever it is you're working on to, to be your biggest fan and, and, and to support yourself and not rely on those external um, sources of validation, because, you know, at some point in your life, you're going to find yourself it's just going to be you and you. Uh, so <laughs> make sure you like who you're hanging out with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mariah, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your journey and your passion for this work. Um, again, really excited to see what you're going to do and how you're doing it. Um, and, and it's just been awesome to share your whole story and just your mindset to my listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun to rehash and, and become even more aware of Awesome. All, the, all the road I've covered up until this point. <laughs> Beautiful.